this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Thank you. 
have a cup of cold water. Pastor mentioned a cup of cold water in serving. Matthew 10:42 tells us that whosoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name will never lose his reward. Something simple as giving someone a cup of cold water, the Lord will reward you for that. Your kindness toward your fellow man and, and what that can do. If you've labored hard and you're tired and you're thirsty, what is more refreshing than a cup of cold water? You know, the average person can live approximately 40 days with no food. 
You can live three days with no water. You can, leave, you can live approximately five minutes with no air. But from what I've been reading, you can live one second with no hope. Once you lose hope, once in your mind and your spirit you believe there is absolutely no hope, your body shuts down, your mind shuts down, your soul shuts down. What that leads, leads to is destruction. One second without hope. And you know, when we all go through tough times in life and we all have been there to one degree or another, Satan will come in and he will lie to you. He will tell you there's no hope. I wonder how many of those people were Pastor Rob and the rest of our team that are down there right now who've lost their homes, their jobs. Over 100 people have lost their lives in Florida when Hurricane Ian came through. $60 billion worth of damage has occurred so far that they know of in Florida. I'm sure there's some people that the enemy has lied to them and said there's no hope. You might as well just give up. There is no hope. But you know, in 2 Timothy 3.16, and it tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God writing a letter to approximately over 40 different men throughout a span of a few thousands of years to write a letter to us to encourage us to tell us things, to tell us about his kingdom and about who God is. So the Holy Spirit instructed each and every writer of the Bible to write something specific for even us today. And what's amazing, um, there was a group of people who were uh, taken slaves. They were, they were captured. They were kidnapped. And they were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And if you have uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, if you could put that on the screen. And this is what Jeremiah wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us. Now, these people were taken away from their homeland. They were slaves. They have nowhere to go. They're captured in a foreign land. And this is what Jeremiah was told by God to write to them. And God said, I know the thoughts I have toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. He is speaking to a group of people who are enslaved in a foreign land. He's encouraging them. He's giving them hope. He told them that because I'm sure at a point they said, there's no hope. We're trapped here. And I don't know what each of one of you are going through today, but the Lord knows. Sometimes we feel like we're trapped. There's no hope. There's no way out of whatever situation you may be in. But when Jeremiah wrote this, to those people in Babylon. He is, he, God was thinking of you and I today. If you think you're in a situation where there's no hope, that's not true. That's a lie of the enemy. The Lord is saying to each one of us, there is hope. That's why we sang that song just a minute ago. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's where our hope is. Our hope is not in our 401k, our retirement our employer, our hope is built on Jesus Christ. 
And you know, as we sit here in Dover, Ohio, at the Summit Church, there's a remnant of our congregation. Pastor Rob, Pastor Jen, Kylie, Nate, and Sabrina are in Fort Myers, Florida, representing us, representing the Lord, to help those people, to tell them, maybe you've lost everything, maybe you've lost a loved one, I don't know, but there's hope. They went to Florida to tell those people, there's hope. There's hope. And, I'm, and they will be speaking love. They will be speaking and showing hope. And that there is an answer because of our God. So let's just pause for a moment, moment here. And let's pray for those in Fort Myers, Florida. Heavenly Father, we speak Jeremiah 29, 11 to the people in Fort Myers, Florida today. That God, you have a plan for them. And it's a good plan. And you have a future and a hope for these people. Let them be encouraged. And I ask that you minister. We send peace. We send restoration. We send hope to them, Lord God. A future and a hope. We thank you for that, Lord God. Minister to those people. Use Pastor Rob and the team to show love. As Pastor Rob said, boots on the ground to show them. And in Psalms 46, you have told us that you are a very present help in the time of trouble. We thank you for that, Lord God. And Lord God, even as you raise the dry bones in Ezekiel, we ask you to raise up Fort Myers and the entire state of Florida. Comfort, peace, future, and hope we send to them in Jesus' name. Amen. It reminds me in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus had just entered into a city called Capernaum. And when he entered into the city, a centurion soldier came up to him and, and said, Lord, my servant is back home. He is paralyzed and he's being tormented. Will you help him? So Jesus said, I will. Let's go and he will, he will be healed. The centurion soldier who, the word centurion, centurion means 100. So he was over 100 people. That's where we get our word sentry. So he's, he's in charge of 100 soldiers. So he's, man, he's a man of, of authority. And he says to Jesus, he goes, I am not worthy that you even come to my house. I'm not worthy of that. So if you just send your word, my servant will be healed. Because I'm a man of authority. I'm under authority. I know if I tell somebody to go somewhere, they'll go. If my commanders tell me to do something, I will do it. And Jesus, I know you're a man of great authority. If you will send your word, my servant will be healed. So Jesus said, go. And scripture tells us that while on his way back home that very hour, his servant was healed because Jesus sent his word and healed him. When we pray for people in Fort Myers, Florida, or the state of Florida, we can send healing, we can send peace because Jesus gave us the authority that he had that we can reach people, we can send healing to people. We can send peace to people who are being tormented. God has given us, us that. John 14, 12, if you have that scripture, said, he who believes in me, this is Jesus, 
The works that I do, you will do. So if Jesus can send a word and heal a man, so can we. That's a promise he has given us. If you have a child or a grandchild in another city, you can send peace. You can send protection. You can say, Lord God, my child is at college. We have authority to say, Father, send angels to protect them. They can be laying in a hospital bed in another city and you can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, send healing to them. We have that authority. This morning we spoke of um, just a little bit about a connection of Ohio to Florida with Pastor Rob and the team down there. I'd just like to share a little quick story with you about a connection from Florida to Ohio. This article was first posted in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Do you remember that the devotional that was out some years ago? We, we, I think we got five or six of them. It was great. Uh, it was first recorded there in 1996. And just recently, um, if you've ever watched Dutch Sheets and Give Him 15, if, you've, if you're not connected with that, I urge you, Give him 15 and watch that. I go to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. At 4.45, Cheryl and I get up and we watch Give Him 15. Dutch Sheets is an amazing man of God from Ohio whose father was an evangelist who would pray for people to be healed. And him and his brother, Tim Sheets, who has been here and spoke, and a group of us went to one of the conferences down in Middletown, Ohio. You see, when, when, when their father were praying for people, Dutch and Tim, as little, little, little boys, probably teenagers, they would clean up off the floor cancers that had fallen off of people because of the power of God. They know what God can do the healing power of God, the restoration power of God. They know. So if you get a chance, please, I urge you, watch, give him 15. Just punch that in and you will find it. So Dutch Sheets uh, on giving 15 earlier this month retold this story. In 1965, during a family reunion in Florida, a grandmother woke everyone up at 1 a.m., issuing orders to get empty Coke bottles, corks, and paper. She said, I have received the message from God, she said. People must hear his word. She wrote verses on the paper while the grandchildren bottled them and corked them. Then everyone deposited the bottles into a surf on Cocoa Beach, Florida. People contacted and thanked her for the scriptures throughout the years. She, di- she, she died in November of 1974, nine years after, she, after this, this began. And the very next month after she had passed away, the last letter arrived. And this is what it said. Dear Mrs. Goss, I'm writing this letter by candlelight. We no longer have electricity on the farm. My husband was killed in the fall when a tractor overturned. 
he left 11 young children behind. He left, he left 11 young children and myself behind. The bank is foreclosing. There's one loaf of bread left and there's snow on the ground. Christmas is two weeks away. I prayed for forgiveness because I went down to drown myself. The the river has been frozen over for weeks, so I didn't think it would take very long. When I broke the ice, a Coke bottle floated up. I opened it, and with tears and trembling, my hands read this about hope. If you have Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 4, please. This is what it says. This is what she wrote, read. But for him who is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. You went on to reference other scriptures as well, and and she lists those scriptures. I came home and I read my Bible. And now I'm thanking God for the message. We're going to make it now. Pray for us, but we'll be all right. May God bless you and yours. Signed a farm in Ohio. How did this life-saving Coke bottle make a nine-year journey all the way from Cocoa Beach, Florida to a river in Ohio? Not just any river, mind you, but the right river at the right farm at the right time. That is our God. That's who our God is. He so cared about that woman. Nine years later, he set in motion a letter of hope that would touch her life when she needed it. That is our God. That's how much he cares about each and every one of us. He's an amazing God who does amazing things. As long as you're alive, there is always hope. There is hope. I did not give you this scripture, uh, Kirsten or Jeff, but could you look up 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23? I just want to say something here before we, get to, before we move on. Is that the scripture? Thank, pardon? Okay, I'm sorry. I just see a scripture, but I, but I can't quite make it out. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Before I say what I want to say about that scripture, uh, to Pastor Phyllis and Caitlin, as you were leading worship this morning, the first song you sang, we sung together was, I fight on my knees and I lift my hands. I started thinking about the power of that scripture and I began to think about Gideon. Gideon was about to go to war. He had 32,000 soldiers. And you know what God said to him? Too many. Too many. Ask any of them if you're afraid to go home. Well, 22,000 left. So now Gideon has an army of 10,000 men. The Lord tells him to go go, go down to get a drink of water. And he says, watch your men. Those who lap water like a dog... Send them home. 
the ones who cup water in their hand and watch what's going on while they're, while they're getting a drink, those you keep, 300. God sent Gideon to battle with 300 men when he had 32,000. Why? Because God fights our battles. We fight our battles with worship and praise. We fight it on our knees. I thought about that scripture where you were singing that song. That's how we fight our battles. We fight it with praise and worship. The next song you sung was, you called out my name and I ran out of that grave. I thought of Lazarus, who was dead, four days, four days dead. When Jesus finally came to town, remember he delayed his coming. He delayed it for a reason. We won't get into that whole story. It's a beautiful story. But his sister came and said, if you, Jesus, if you'd had only been here when we called for you, you could have healed my brother and he wouldn't have died. Because she knew Jesus was a healer. But Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so he could show them, I, yes, I'm a healer, but I also am the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. He wanted to show them that. So I thought about Lazarus when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. He's wrapped in, in grave cloth. But he came out of the grave. Are there times in your life where you feel like you're just wrapped up in everything? You feel like you're dead. There's, there's no hope. Lazarus, come forth. How many times in, in every other song you sing, I can just envision scripture. Thank you. Thank you for the words you speak. But if you could put up 1 Samuel 16.23. I'm sorry, this is something I really believe the Lord wanted me to say this morning. When I, when I got here at 8.30 this morning, I came up on the stage and I put my arm around Joe and I said, Joe, old buddy, I need a, I need a favor. Could you, could you bring the table up for me? Joe, that was your cup of water to help me. I thank you. Standing behind, right beside him was Eugene. And Eugene said to me, would you like me to stay and play? And I said, yes, if you don't mind. And I said, what about Kyle? And he goes, I don't know, you have to ask him. But while I was standing here talking to Eugene, before I asked Kyle, the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm going to tell you something for Kyle. And Eugene, it goes for you too. The Lord told me that when I was talking to you. Kyle, this scripture, I, I, I told you this scripture maybe six months ago, eight months ago, and it's for you. But it's also for us. 1 Samuel 16, verse 23 says this. And it was so, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take his harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. That's what your music does for people. Kyle, Eugene, your music is soothing because it's anointed by the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. It's more than just music. It's anointed by God. When David would play the harp for Saul, who was tormented, it would soothe his spirit. His troubles would go away. So as we listen to the music played softly, 
It's more than just music. There's a flow, anointing of the Holy Spirit. Whether the songs we hear remind you of Scripture, of what God has done and what we sing about. And Joe, I've been thinking about this and I've never told you for probably almost two years now. I watched you play the drums because I'm sitting right there. And I thought if my grandmother was alive and she was with me, she would say to me, Mike, why is Joe in a cage? Well, Joe's in a cage because we can, we can regulate the drum sound. But you know, the, the Lord just showed me this about a year ago about you, and I've never t- told you. When you're playing the drums, it reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's very simple, very plain. Most people just ignore it. The Little Drummer Boy. Now, the story behind that song being written, and, and I think of you, Joe, as you play. The little drummer boy is standing in the background when the Magi, the kings of the East, come to present Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We think, well, then, there were three Magi there, right? Wrong. There was about 75 of them. The Bible does not tell us that. History tells us that. 75 Magi came from the East, and they didn't come on broken-down donkeys or wore-out camels. They came with majesty. They came with Arabian horses. They came with a caravan of thousands. The scene of when they came to present the gifts to Jesus was massive. So massive that when they went to King Herod and said, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Any other time, King Herod would have put a stop to it because he's the king. But they were so intimidated by the presence of the Magi so impressed by their strength, their power, their wealth, that he did nothing. All he said was, when you find him, tell me, tell me so I can come and worship him, which was not his motive. We know that. But Joe, I think of you, because the little drummer boy's in the background. He sees the majesty of what's going on in the worship to Jesus, this newborn baby. He says, I have nothing to give, but what I have is my drum. And for you, Jesus, I will play my drum. Parumpa pum pum. And for each one of you, each one of you and, and myself here today, have you ever considered yourself say, Lord, I have nothing to offer you? Wrong. The little drummer boy had his drums. So that's what he offered the Lord. If you give the Lord what you have right now, He will bless you, He will anoint you, He will use you, and He will give you more. That's our God. That's the things he, he does. You know, Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to get away. We need to get into our prayer closet. We need to get places. Most of the time in my life, the Lord speaks to me when it's quiet. Like in the morning, in the shower. No telephones, no television, no interruptions. When it's quiet, the Lord will come to you and minister to you. As we hear this soft music being, being played, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you touch your people that you love here today. You love them so much. I ask that this, mu- this music will soothe them. Your Holy Spirit will massage your hearts and their lives. And that you will bring peace and healing and restoration and whatever my brothers and sisters and your children, whatever they need, Lord God, minister to them.
And I just thank you that you're so good and you care about each and every one of us. You have even told us in, in Peter, in the book of Peter, that cast all of your cares upon me because I care about you. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, Lord God, as in our minds and our hearts right now, we say, Lord Jesus, I give you my cares. I give you my heartaches. I give you my struggles. I give them to you because you care for me. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name this morning, Lord God. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to Luke chapter 10. We'll start at verse 1. Luke 10, verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before the face of every city and every place where he himself was about to go. It's interesting. Verse 10 starts with this, After these things. Well, what things? What things? To find out, we've got to go to Luke chapter 9 about what had just happened. And usually I would just tell you what this says but boy this is powerful so Luke chapter 9 verses 1, 1 and 2 it says this then he called 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick so when, when chapter 10 starts out and says after these things Jesus had, had called his 12 disciples the 12 that he kept close to him the 12 that he spoke with daily about the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus chose 12 disciples, and out of those disciples, he had three that were really close to him, Peter, James, and John. Just like Moses in, in his, his ministry, he had three people that were very close to him. He had Aaron, Hur, and Joshua. Every pastor, every person needs people that are close to you to help you to minister to you, to speak to you. So after Jesus appointed the 12, now it says in, in chapter 10 that he appointed 70. Isn't it interesting? He says, and he sent them out two by two to cities where he was about to go. He hasn't been there yet, but he sent out a forerunner. He sent people out to plow the ground ahead of him, to plant seeds. Then Luke 10, verse 2 says this. And he said to them, this is why I'm sending you out. The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into your harvest. About two weeks ago, I came home from work and Cheryl said something to me. She goes, she was looking online. There's a, uh, a store in Holmes County that we like to uh, shop at. And she said, hey, in their ad, they have now available holiday grapes. Have you ever tried holiday grapes? They're unbelievable. They're about that big around. They're crisp. They are sweet. They are juicy. We're driving to Holmes County to get holiday grapes. I love these holiday grapes. Matter of fact, it reminds me of Numbers chapter 13 when Moses sent the 12 spies out into Canaan land. And one of the things they came back with, the scripture tells us, that on 
two men carried a pole with a cluster of grapes. I'm sure if we did a DNA test that it goes back to those grapes, the holiday grapes. But anyway, the whole way out there, my mind is set. I can't wait to get these grapes. They're delicious. They are absolutely delicious, and you can only get them in this, this time of the year up until like Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's, a, there's a, a season for them. So we get out to the store, and I make a beeline to the produce department. They have grapes there, but guess what? No holiday grapes. And I'm looking around for them, and I see the produce manager come out of the back room. I, I've known him for years. He used to work at uh, what was called bag and save and now it's giant eagle benji worked there and i said hey benji i saw in your ad you had holiday grapes are you out he goes no here's what happened our supplier told us holiday grapes are available so i put them in the ad we didn't get them into shipment so he said i called them he said hey i got these grapes in the ad that you said were available and they're not here where are they he says well here's the story in California right now, they're having a, a severe heat, over 100 degrees every day. And the laborers refuse to go into the field to pick the grapes. So I'm pretty disappointed at this point. I could almost taste them on my way out. It's like, man. And then in my mind, I start envision these holiday grapes in California in these vineyards Rottening because nobody will go pick them. And it's like, this ain't right. I want my holiday grapes. Now, about two days later, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he began to speak to my heart. And what he said was, very true. He said, Mike, you're more worried about those holiday grapes rotting on the vine than you are men, women, and children in Tuscarawas County dying and going to hell. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It reminded me of Jonah who was more concerned about a gourd that was beating in the sun and wildering and dying than he was the 100,000 people who lived in Nineveh and were dying and going to hell. Isn't it great how the Holy Spirit in a kind, sweet way convicts you when you're going down the wrong path? Because I was pretty upset about my holiday grapes. But the Lord reminded me Something more serious than grapes rotting on a vine are the souls and lives of men, women, and children all around me that are dying and going to hell. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then I think of Isaiah. When the Lord was telling Isaiah, I, I've got a group of people here who are, who are going to hell. And I got nobody to go tell them about my love, my kindness, my mercies. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me, Lord. Spoke to my heart. So I said, Lord, here am I, send me. Now, I couldn't go to Florida. But I can go to work every day and speak to the people 
that, I, that I'm associated with. I can talk to the lady who cashes, who's the cash, cashier at, at the store that we purchase our groceries. And I always try, I do, I really do this. I try to talk to anybody when I'm fueling up one, one of our vehicles. I always talk to the person around the other side of the pump. I do this. And I try to, try to get a word in for the Lord. That's what we need to do. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever you come in contact with, talk to them about the Lord. And it's amazing what can happen. So Jesus sent the 70 out ahead. He empowered them. He says, I give you authority and power over demons and sicknesses and disease. Now let's look at verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. They were excited about that. And that is a great thing. If somebody's being tormented or aggravated or destroyed by a demon, they had authority to say to that demon, go in the name of Jesus. They have authority to do that. They did that and they said, this is amazing, Jesus. Demons run when we mention your name. We have authority to do that. Now let's drop down to verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Woo! And, and if you can heal the sick, we don't heal the sick. Jesus heals the sick. He's the healer. When the sick are healed, we rejoice. When demons are cast out of people's lives and quits tormenting them, we rejoice. Absolutely. When I get a cup of cold, cold water that refreshes me, I rejoice. Joe, when you bring this table up, I thank you. Thank you. When the worship team plays and leads us into the presence of the Lord, because Psalms 22.3, I believe it is, says God inhabits the praises of his people. There's an atmosphere that is set here before we even come that the Holy Spirit is welcome. They begin to praise and worship the Lord. And he comes and he dwells among us because he's been invited. There's been people through years who have told God, no, I don't want you here, go. So Jesus left. He's a gentleman. He will not go where he's not invited. But when you invite him, he will come in with you. He will be there. I just want to read Luke 15, 7 real quick. And I know some of these scriptures I didn't give, give you, but that's okay. Luke 15, 7 says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven when one sinner who repents over, than over the 99 persons who are just and need no repentance. That tells me in Scripture there is an amazing celebration when someone is born again. When someone has been washed by the blood of Jesus, there is a celebration in heaven like no other. It is the celebration of all celebrations over one sinner who rejoices or comes to know him. I guess to sum, sum it up, the works of the 99 righteous, when you do good things for people, you have your reward. It says if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. It's a good thing. It's a good thing when you help people. 
It's a good thing when you minister to people, when you speak the word of God to them. That's good. That's great. That's part of what we do because of what he has done for us. But the greatest celebration in all of heaven is when a sinner comes to repentance. That is the greatest celebration. I'm just going to tell you a real quick, quick story because to me it never gets old. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me tell this story. And I repeat it because it's true and because it's so dear to my heart. On Wednesday, August 27th, 1975, God was dealing with me. I was 19 years old at the time. I didn't go to church. I didn't know how to pray. I knew nothing about God. I believed there was a God, but I knew nothing about God. Nothing. Didn't go to church. Never went to church in my life. Didn't know the things of God. Well, on Wednesday, August 27, 1975, I sat on the steps of Dover High School Gymnasium facing Tuscross Avenue, and with all my heart, I don't know how to pray, but I said seven words. I said, God, I want you in my life. That's all I said, because I don't know how to pray, but I meant it. Well, the next day, August 28th, I was at work. I worked in a small office at Stone Creek Brick Company, which is no longer there. And I'm sitting, we're working on one of my panels, and I have a radio on. And I think it was 9 o'clock, had WJAR on. The news was over, so it's like 9.03. And they have what they call a daily devotional where pastors from the area come. We send a pastor over there to do a daily devotional for a week. So as this devotion comes on, they're talking about the Lord. One of my coworkers walk in and he says to me, he goes, are you listening to that junk? And I turned around from my chair and I said, yes, I am. So he did what he had to do and he left. The moment he left, I'm sitting there on my stool in front of my panel I'm working on and I start laughing out loud. And I, am, I got scared because I'm not doing this. I have no control over this. I am laughing. I think of you, Wanda. I'm laughing and I can't control. I can't stop. I was scared. I can't control what's going on. And then as I began to think about it, from the top of my head all through the bottom of my feet, it was as though somebody poured warm oil over my whole body. Now, I don't know anything about church, but I know this. God came into my life. I knew that. God answered my prayer from the night before. You see, the night before, I believed in my heart. I didn't know how to pray the right way, so I said, I said my seven words, God, I want you in my life. The next day at work, I had a chance to either profess Jesus or deny him to my coworker. So the following day, I confessed with my mouth and said, yes, I'm listening to that. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. In that moment, there was rejoicing in heaven. The moment you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a rejoicing in heaven, a party. And I won't take things for granted. I don't know everybody here real well. Um, and I don't know everybody watching through the uh, social media we have. 
but I, I just want everybody here and everybody at home watching, I, I just want you to say those seven words that I said. Can we say those together? God, I want you in my life. And we can say that even today. That was 47 years ago, this August, that I was born again. And I, I still can say that. God, I want you in my life. Last story. I know most of you are aware of this. Um, before we, we begin service at 10, 10 o'clock, the worship team's in here about 8.30. What most people would call practice, but it's more than practice. You're ushering in the presence of the Lord. And we thank you for that. Also, Pastor Rob, up in the prayer, prayer room at 8.30, there's a group of us that meet and we pray. We pray for the service. We pray for our community. We pray for our nation. We pray for healing. We pray for salvation. Whatever the flow is of the Holy Spirit that day, that's what we pray for. Now, last Sunday, something very interesting happened. Pastor Rob stepped out of the room. He was gone about maybe 10 minutes. During that time that he stepped out, Scripture was read. Luke 10, 25 to 37. Now, Pastor Rob's not in the room. He, he's not there. And he still doesn't know today that, that this was done. And it's the story of the Good Samaritan. If you have Luke 10, 37, could you get that up, please? And at the end of the story, which we're going to go over in here in just a moment, but at the end of the story in Luke 10, 37, Jesus said to the lawyer who was trying to trap Jesus, when he talked about the good Samaritan who took care of somebody who was hurting, he says, go and do likewise. Where is Pastor Rob this morning? Pastor Jen, Kylie, Nate, and Sabrina, they have gone and done likewise. That's where they are. Now, we, we talked about that this morning in, uh, in the prayer room. When this scripture was read, it didn't fit the flow of the day. It didn't, it didn't fit the way things were going. But I believe it was prophetic of what was happening today. Go and do likewise. Sometimes God asks us to do, do things that doesn't seem to fit. Like take a Coke bottle, put a scripture on it, and throw it in the ocean. What, what did Mary say to Jesus at the wedding at Canaan? Or I'm sorry, what did, what did Mary say to the servants when Jesus said, pour water in, 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 into those vases? Whatever he says, do it. Because Mary knew that the baby she conceived was from God. She knew that, right? She knew she had no relationship with a man. She knew that was birth of God. So whatever he says, do it even if it makes little or no sense. I was going to read uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. But I'm just going to uh, kind of sum it up for you now for time's sake. Jesus is asked by a, a lawyer of the word. He's asked by Jesus. He's trying to trick Jesus, trying to trap him. And he says, 
Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do? Isn't Jesus amazing? He's amazing in everything he says or does. But he was asked a question, and he answered it by asking him a question. He says, well, what does the scripture say? Because, see, if, if he was a lawyer in the temple, he had the first five books of the, of the Old Testament memorized, the Torah. He had it memorized. He knew what the law said. So Jesus said to him, well, what does the scripture say? And he says, it says, you must love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's right. You got it. That's what you got to do. So then, still trying to trick Jesus and trap him, he says, but who's my neighbor? Reminds me in Genesis, am I my brother's keeper? Who's my neighbor? So he's trying to trick Jesus again and say, who is my neighbor? So Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. He said there was a traveling man. While he was traveling, he was ambushed. He was beat up, stripped naked, and left for dead. I think scripture says he was half dead. A priest comes by, a priest from the temple. A man of God walks by and he sees him. He's laying there naked, he's beat up, he's bloodied, he's bruised, he's half dead, he needs help. Of course, he is a priest in the temple. Numbers 19.16 tells him that if you touch him, you're defiled and you have to be purified for seven days. Well, that's an inconvenience. Why would I want to touch this man and help him and then I got to set out of my job for seven days? So he walks right on by. Doesn't help him. Then, then comes a Levite who was right under the priest. He is a servant in the temple. He sees this man along the side of the road. He's beat up, he's bloodied, he's naked. He walks on the other side of the road and says, I don't want to be inconvenienced. Don't have time for this. So he walks on by. Then Jesus said a Samaritan comes by. He came upon him. He sees this man who is naked, beat up, bruised, bloodied. Now what you've got to remember is hates, hates a terrible word. The Samaritans were highly disliked by the Jews because they were mixed breed and they were mixed religions. So they were outcasts. So they didn't like Samaritans. But this Samaritan comes by and the scripture says he had compassion on that man. He had compassion. The same way the Lord has compassion on each and every one of us. So he poured oil and wine on him. He clothed him. He put him on his donkey. He took him to, to the inn. He took him to town. Got a room for him. Got food for him. Paid for, paid for those services and said to the innkeeper, I have business down the road. I'll be back. And when I come back, if it costs more than what I've already given you, I will pay you for what you do for him. So Jesus said to the lawyer, which one of these three was a neighbor? And he said, the one who showed mercy. 
the Good Samaritan. He looked out for a person that typically you wouldn't look out for because you don't like me, but maybe I don't like you either. But he had mercy. He had compassion. And then Jesus said to the lawyer, go and do likewise. Isn't it amazing? God says we're to love our neighbor, not just like him, not just tolerate them, put up with them. He says you must love them even as you love yourself. Scripture tells us that we need to bless those who curse you and despitefully use you. You ever had to do that? I have many times. And you know what? On my own, I can't do it. But I have a Holy Spirit who is God himself that lives inside of me. He helps me. And he has helped me. He's helped me to love people who've done things to try to destroy me and they became my friends down the road because I did what the Lord said. I love them. I prayed for those who despitefully use you. It works. It's not easy, but it works. Because the word would not return void. It would do that which it was set out to accomplish. Colossians 3, 4, Paul is speaking to the church at Colossae. He's speaking to new believers. He's telling them all kinds of things that you need to do and how to do it. He's telling them things, but in Colossians 3, 14, Paul says to, as he says to the new believers, all the things I've told you are good and great. It's what you need to do. But above all things, number one on the list, you put on love. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't look at us and say, you know what? I love you, but you know what you did the other day or two weeks ago or two years ago? Eh, nah. God doesn't do that. And we need to be just like him. So we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. No strings attached. Only if they love me. I've talked to people before who just don't like their parents. They hate them because of something that's happened. And in a kind way, you say to them, the scripture tells us that we are to honor our mother and father, which has a promise behind it, that you live a long life. But I, but I say, you know what? I, I've noticed as I read the Bible, no matter what version I read, when it says honor your mother and father, there's no asterisk that says only if they've been good to you. Only if they gave you what you wanted. Only if they were always kind to you. No. It says honor your mother and father. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Period. If they curse you, they lie about you, they despitefully use you, what does the Lord say? You gotta love them. You must love them. Because that is the heart of the Father. He loves us, and Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. When we, when we had nothing to do with him, didn't want anything to do with him, he still died for us. He still did that. So Lord, just help us all to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you 
that you love me, that you so love the world, that you came and died for us. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we want to be just like you. So we want to learn how to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to learn how to pray for those who despitefully use us. We need your help for that, Lord God. And it's not just a suggestion. It's a command. So, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your kindness. Help me and each one of us listening today to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we love our neighbors as ourselves, it will show them the kingdom which we are attached to, your kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord God. So, Holy Spirit, remind me of the holiday grapes. Remind me how important the lost souls or, or those around me are. I just pray that I will be your ambassador. I will speak of your kingdom and you. And that I can show people how much love and kindness and mercy you have, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Micah 6, 8 tells us three things that the Lord requires. To always do what's right. To love mercy. And walk justly before our God. So, Lord God, help us to do all three of those. Help us to love mercy. Mercy for those who, in our minds, we say they don't deserve it. Guess what? I I didn't either. I didn't deserve your mercy, but you showed it to me. Thank you, Lord God. So I pray a blessing upon each and every one here today, Lord God, that you speak to their hearts, that you bless them, that you encourage them, that you keep them safe, that they can take hope and deposit that to the lives of those people that they come in contact with at work, at school, at the gas station, at the grocery store, Wherever we're at, may we deposit hope. May we deposit love to all those around us. And we thank you that you're an amazing God who does amazing things. We love you this morning. We worship you. We adore you. We honor you. We say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I always love hearing from Pastor Mike. He just carries the heart of the Father. You feel like you're being talked to by your dad who just loves like Jesus loves. And it's always so encouraging to hear what he has to say. I have a lot of announcements today. Um, October calendars, I'm sure you've already got one, but there's still some calendars out there for the rest of the month that say what's going on. So if that's something you're interested in, please grab one off of guest services. The offering buckets are in the back. And to go along with that, Pastor Rob texted me this morning and said that if you want to give to what's going on in Fort Myers and the relief that's happening there, mark um, on your check or whatever somehow, and we will get it in a fund to get to the relief that's happening there. And this Wednesday is small groups. The last one was so much fun connecting and being together and hearing from different leaders. So please make sure to be here this Wednesday at 6.30 for small groups, and that will go till 8 o'clock. 
Um, next Thursday, the 27th at noon is Senior Life. So if you are a part of that, please make sure to come. It's going to be so much fun. And then this Wednesday is the widows group. So Wanda does a lovely job organizing that. So this Wednesday at noon, if you are in that category, please come and join with other people who want to love on you and to spend time with you. And then also if you ordered a Seeky First shirt um, on the paper out there a few weeks ago, they are here. So um, we take cash check or also Venmo if that's something that you ordered. Those are out there to pick up today. Short sleeves were 15, long sleeves were 20. And then there was going to be a kids meeting after church today. Obviously, Pastor Jen is not here, so that will not be happening. That will be postponed. So be on the lookout for an announcement of that. And then if you haven't signed up for the youth retreat, if you're in 7th through 12th grade, that's next weekend, the 21st through the 23rd. We're going to go hang out with our other Foursquare family as youth and... um, encounter Jesus together. So I'm just going to pray really quick. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this house and for the word that you brought forth today through Pastor Mike. We pray immense blessings on him and on his family. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to cultivate a heart in us of the Good Samaritan, that we would be able to love our city and our county and our state and our nation well. So I just thank you for what you're doing in us. Would you keep us safe? And would you just continue to favor us? In Jesus' name, have a blessed week, everyone. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app, and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.